Welcome back to The Good, The Bad and The BPD. My name is Tammy Watland and I live with borderline personality disorder every day. And I'm going to be honest, I sat and recorded 33, no, actually 34 minutes of recording. I've already done this podcast and I set the microphone up. And I've just listened to it back now. And it's got the most shittest buzzing sound in the background. And it's right annoying. And now it's a good job. I'm in a good mood because that would have right pissed me off. So now I've got to sit here with my phone under my fucking quilt again. <laughs> so I will crack on. The first season's been an overview of my life so far. And the things that I've experienced. Today's episode is about where I am now. And let me tell you, this one's a much happier podcast. Um, like I said, yeah, it weren't until the first lockdown that I actually managed to take time for myself, work on my BPD, and not having as many social pressures or life distractions really helped me put my life and illness into perspective. My belly's rumbling now, so you'll have to bear with me. I learnt to identify my emotions and deal with them rather than pushing them down and I learnt how to word things more effectively so I didn't offend people. I learnt how to look at things from another person's point of view. I sort of learnt how to deal with my abandonment and splitting behaviours. I'm still working on this one, I'm going to be honest, and that's because abandonment is the foundation of BPD. Um, so sort of like trying to not feel abandoned is a big thing. And over the last two years, I've worked so hard to identify and manage my emotions that I feel I can handle most things that are thrown at me now. And on the odd occasion, I have a down day. I have to remind myself that I'm feeling's valid, but is it reasonable? And when this happens... I usually read a book about managing BPD or managing emotions and some of the books that I've read, absolutely fantastic. They gave me a glimpse into somebody else's life. It helped me see that it wasn't just me that suffers with mental health and it made me feel less alone because I had somebody to relate to that was going through the same thing. Some of the books that I read gave me really useful tips and tricks to follow when I'm feeling a certain way and I still use these today. Some of the books made me laugh at how relatable they were to my situation and they made me less angry. But the thing is, I could have done all this self-development when I got diagnosed, but I didn't. (laughs) I just shoved it all down and thought I'd get better. Yes, that's right, Tammy. You just sit in your bed and think that you're going to be able to help yourself that way. It doesn't work like that. I wasn't willing to help myself. I didn't want to admit that anything was wrong with me back in 2015. And until I was ready to admit that I needed help, then I'd never get any better. And it is true when people say you have to have the right mindset and you have to want to put the work in. If you think you're going to get better overnight, you're wrong. 
if you think you're going to get better in two weeks, you're wrong. If you think you can drink it away, you're wrong. And if you think you can smoke it away, you're wrong. Because it takes a hell of a lot of time, shitloads of patience, strength and courage. And I'll tell you this for free. Until I was ready to admit some home truths to myself, I was never going to be able to help myself. And I had to admit certain things to myself. And these things were, I had to admit that I was sad. I had to admit that I was lost. And I had to admit that I was angry. All these things that I needed to admit to myself was a real eye-opener and once I'd admitted these things to myself, I felt like a weight of pressure being lifted and you know when you're at work and you're really stressed about something, say you've got a deadline, once you've reached that deadline and you've done your work, that feeling that just lifts off you once you've completed it, it, it feels like that. But my list gave me a basic list of things to work on and you can't build a house without good foundations and those things were my foundations to build in a new future. So, why was I sad? I was sad because my relationship wasn't stable. We both wanted different things. Why was I lost? I was lost because I didn't know who I was anymore. I didn't have an identity. Why was I angry? I was angry because I had BPD. <laughs> I didn't want BPD. And I couldn't manage it efficiently as to not affect my relationships and the way I think and feel on a day-to-day -day basis. And in order to find, uh, sorry, in order for me to find out who I was again, I needed to start with those three things. And that sounds so simple. And it actually was. I just needed to be willing. So the first one was dealing with my sadness and my relationship. And this was hard because people who suffer with BPD have abandonment issues. It's the foundation of BPD, like I said. And to end a relationship is an extremely big thing for somebody who suffers with borderline personality disorder. So for me to end my relationship and know I'd be on my own was a big thing. But it was necessary in order for me to make the changes that I wanted and needed in my life. And as you heard last week, I've been single for, well, since May. So May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December, January, February. Nine months. And it's going well, to be honest. I fill my time with stuff I want to do, not what somebody else wants to do. I've rediscovered my love for gardening and plants. And I, I can't wait to get in the garden in summer and make it like my own little Eden. I've always loved books, never found the time to read though. While I've been in a relationship, I, I always read, but when I'm in a relationship, I tend to not read because I'd rather spend my time with that person. And <laughs> a little story for you, me and Paige spent a whole summer, six week holidays, reading Morganville Vampires by Rachel Kane. There's about 15 books altogether in the series and if you like vampires as much as I do, then give that a read. You will not be disappointed. And since I've started reading again in December, I've read The Rats and the Lair by James Herbert. 
that's about a rat apocalypse. It's quite first book's quite good, very racist and written like about fifty years ago. <laughs> you couldn't get away with um, the words that are in the book now. I've read My Shit Therapist. That was an absolutely fantastic book about a lady who's got, I think it was bipolar. If you have time to read that, give it a read. I'm not sure who it was that wrote it, but it's called My Shit Therapist. I've read How Not to Kill Your Houseplant. My Houseplant Changed My Life. An Unquiet Mind by Kay Redfield Jameson. That's brilliant. And Stress, The Psychology of Managing Pressure. At the moment, I'm reading A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J, and it's M-A-A-S. And this is basically fairy porn. Honestly, proper fairy porn. Other than reading, I've made more friends who invite me places. And instead of spending most of my free time with one person, I go and see lots of other people. I go hiking with Luna... And at first, solo hiking was scary. And after a few solo hikes, though, I felt a lot more comfortable. And I was getting up at five o'clock just so I could go for a hike before I started work. I started doing my photography again. I started vlogging on YouTube. And if you watch my YouTube channel, you'll know why we are now doing a podcast instead of on there. I started weightlifting. And that, oh, I absolutely love that. I love strength training and I'm determined to have a six pack before Christmas this year. My personal best deadlift is 69.5 kg, which is just under 11 stone, I think. And I only weigh nine stone, so I'm well impressed with that. (laughs) Spending time with myself helped me to find my lost passions. Without Boris putting us in lockdown, I don't think I would have been able to find myself. I mean, I know a lot of other people weren't in that position at lockdown, but Thankfully for me, I was. But then I had to deal with feeling lost. And this, for me, was more about identity. I'd hidden for so long behind baggy jeans, baggy hoodies, dock boots. I didn't know who I was anymore. So wearing a dress for my birthday, my friend said it gave a clueless vibes, which is exactly why I bought it. It was short and it was a little bit out of my comfort zone. But I didn't feel uncomfortable in it, if that makes sense. I don't know whether it was because my legs were covered by thigh-high boots or it could have been the daiquiris and the glass of wine that I had. But I'm starting to wear less baggier clothes. I mean, I will be wearing dock boots until the day I die and I will be cremated in them. So to whoever organises my funeral, make sure that I am wearing my black dock boots. Thank you very much very much appreciated. It's not that I don't like the look of tight-fitting clothes. They just feel tight and suffocating. Obviously, they're tight. How people can wear tight leggings and jeans all day is beyond me. You've got to be so uncomfortable. Your knickers are constantly going to be up your arse. And that can't be hygienic or comfortable. It really can't. I'd love to be invited somewhere posh. No, to wear like a nice evening gown. And who have we got in fact, James? <laughs> My sister goes out with James. And I call him my brother-in-law. But they're not married. And James is the poshest one in our family. And Paige is not allowed to split up with James. Even if she wanted to. Because we all love him. 
she's not allowed to get rid of him. <laughs> but James is the posh one out of the family. So, could I pretend to be posh for a night? I don't think that's what the issue is. The issue would be, could James put up with me pretending to be posh for a night? <laughs> Might have to leave the posh bit out and just go to, like, a fancy place where I can wear my nice snazzy dress. I mean, I don't own a nice snazzy dress, but I just want to get dressed up and look fancy. But do you get fancy places without it being posh? Is that a daft question? Do you get what I mean? Most fancy places that are posh are for fancy rich people because they're the only ones that can afford it. Somebody from Made in Chelsea wouldn't go to the local Yates's for a cocktail. I don't even think they have Yates's in Chelsea. <laughs> They'd go somewhere with a daft name like Noir where cocktails come in a shot glass and cost the same as about a week's worth of gas and electric for poor people like me and you. It's absolute madness. But I'm only jealous because I'm poor. <laughs> Could you imagine me walking round Chelsea in my MC Hammer jeans and Doc boots like, all right, Doc, you all right? You got a spoon around here? <laughs> so yeah, back on topic. I am starting to like myself and the way that I look. I feel comfortable in what I wear and my anxiety when I leave the house for social gatherings or even just day to day. I feel a lot more comfortable because I'm happy in what I wear. Everybody's used to my style now. Nobody recognises me when I'm done up. The only way to know for sure it's me is to look for the tattoos. And if you see two Daryl Dixon tattoos on my left arm, say hello, because it's me. <laughs> and lastly, I had to deal with my anger. And this was the hardest one to sort out because I still have to manage it now. <clears throat> and you don't just stop being angry <laughs> when you've got BPD. You have to find ways to manage it. Telling me when I'm angry to not get angry <laughs> is like telling a parent not to get angry if someone called their child the C word. That is the only way I can describe how quick my emotions go from happy to I want to punch you in the face. So imagine that scenario. You're out, you're having a lovely day with your kid and a grown-ass adult walks past your kid and calls it the C word for no reason whatsoever. As a parent, you're going to be fuming. You're going to get annoyed. And it will be like the flick of a switch. Someone's just called your kid for no reason whatsoever. And now... Ask yourself, if somebody had called your kid that four-letter C word, how easy would it be for you to calm yourself down after that situation's happened? I'm guessing a very long time. You might probably go home and tell your partner. You might tell your best mate. Or you might stew on it all day. But that's what it's like when I get angry. There's no in-between. I go from happy to come near me and I will bite you so hard. <laughs> and every time I felt myself getting angry at a situation, I had to try and stop myself from getting to the point where I can no longer rationalise my thinking or filter what I said. And I have to do this by asking myself in my head, why am I getting angry? Am I actually angry at this situation in front of me 
or am I getting angry at something else that's happened earlier in the day or the week and this is just the cherry on the top which has made me be angry and unreasonable. If I have managed to actually calm myself down, stop my heart from pounding and my blood boiling over, at this point I can usually calm down and if I have raised my voice to somebody, I can you I can say, I'm sorry, I raised my voice then. Like, I didn't mean to. Just bear with me a second while I sort my life out. Or I'll be like, oh, sorry, I've just answered you with a rate tone then. I do apologise. I didn't mean to. I mean, that sounds so patronising in my tone of voice, but I genuinely do mean sorry. And once I've asked myself why I'm angry, I then have to ask myself, is there anything I can do about the situation? If I can... What can I do about it? If I can't do anything about the situation, then call me daft send down. There's no point working myself up over summer that I've got no control over. And I also found that letting things get to me, I just, it annoyed me. So rather than letting things get to me and stewing on it, I'd deal with it there and then and I'd voice how I was feeling rather than stewing on it. Because I've got a habit of winding myself up, somewhat chronic, about situations. Specifically situations that haven't even happened. But I know I'm doing this now. I didn't when I first got diagnosed. I know I'm imagining these scenarios in my head. And they aren't real life scenarios that are happening right this moment in time. They are all genuinely made up in my head. Like, if I text somebody and they don't text back me in two hours, I automatically presume I've done something wrong. And then I go through scenarios of what would happen when I next see this person? Would they be nice to me? Would they apologise for ignoring me? Or I'd be like, oh my God, why aren't they messaging me back? What have I done? And I'd be going through things the last time I seen them to think, did I say something that offended them? Maybe, did I? And then I start panicking. But once they reply back to me, I'd be fine. And scenarios had stopped creating in my head. But before doing all my own self-development, I didn't understand why I was getting angry. And I told you before, I can't watch the news. Every word that comes out of a news person's mouth just angers me more. If I watch the news in the morning, don't bother speaking to me all day because I will have a rate attitude problem. And I don't watch the news because the news is absolute garbage. There is nothing on there about helping the homeless. There's nothing on there about supporting people with low incomes. There's nothing on there about kids being bullied at school. And it really, really annoys me. You want to talk about Brexit and Boris having a party in lockdown. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares that Boris had a party. And if you do care that Boris had a party, there's bigger things in the world that you need to be worrying about, not that Boris had a party. You need to be worrying about what happens in 10 years when rainforest evaporates and there's nothing left and we've got no <laughs> no rainforest. We can't survive without a rainforest. They need to be telling us what dumping all the plastic in the ocean is doing. You know, I don't want them to be Greta. I don't need that. Nobody needs her. But what we do need is useful information. And because I know watching the news annoys me, I don't watch it. Why would I want to intentionally annoy myself? That just seems daft. 
you wouldn't go out your way to annoy yourself, would you? <laughs> no, there's just no point because you'd be annoyed. So I don't want to annoy myself, hence why I don't watch the news at all. And that made my mornings a hell of a lot better because I went getting up, listening to absolute shite on BBC, on ITV, on Sky. Like, you really have got better things to talk about. I know my triggers, so I don't listen to the news. I sit with my cup of tea. I have a look at how my podcast's doing. I have a look at how YouTube's doing. And, yeah, look through my emails, that kind of stuff. And because I didn't know my triggers before, it made everything really, really hard. Now I know my triggers. And when I get triggered, I have to do something. And everybody laughs at me when I tell them this, but I've turned my BPD into a person. And my <laughs> my BPD is called Bob. So think of Eddie Brock and Venom, that combination. That's what having BPD is like to me. That's my personal opinion of BPD. <laughs> so I have to have a chat slash an argument with myself to explain that the situation isn't happening and that Bob needs to do one. So I've turned my BPD into a person so I can tell him he's being daft. He's trying to make me think things that aren't true. And giving, <laughs> giving Bob, my BPD, a name and treating it like a person, in my head, really helped me rationalise and go through my emotions and thoughts. So, for example, if I was supposed to be going out for the day and the person cancelled, Bob the BPD would say, nobody wants to be around you. And I'd have to think back and say, no, people do want to be around me. They're just busy with their life. You know, like when I'm too busy for my life, for, for, you know what I mean? When I'm too busy in my life and I have to cancel, like they don't take offence at me, so why am I taking offence at them? Oh, when people park outside my house. I understand everybody is entitled to park where they want. I can't help this being a trigger. I've tried so many different techniques to not get annoyed at people parking smack bang outside my house, especially when I've got me shopping. But when people park outside my house, Bob goes, why are them dickheads parking outside your house? They know you live here. And what time you come back? Absolutely selfish people. They could park anywhere they want, but no, they park right outside your house. <laughs> so in return, my reply to Bob would be, Bob, calm down, mate. Anybody can park in front of my house. I do not own that bit of land in front of my house. Maybe it's a funeral. Maybe it's a family gathering. Just shut up. <laughs> They can park in front of your house. And like I say, it is like having venom in my head. It is the only way that I can describe it. He just wants to eat people and be nasty to people. And when the BPD flares up, he's going, that person hates you. Bite them. Kill them. Run them over with your car. <laughs> and I'm having to go, no, I don't want to run them over with my car. I really don't. They're nice people. And Bob's like, do it, do it. Ten points if you run over that old lady. <laughs> but my BPD wants me to be alone. 
It wants me to be miserable. It wants me to wallow in my own self-pity. And I will stick two fingers up to that because I won't let it. But turning my BPD into Bob did help me rationalise, understand and process my thoughts. And at this current moment in time, I have a job. I have a home. I have a car. I have the most beautiful little doggy in the world. I'm in love with a young postman. I'm not even going to tell you what his age is, but his name's Reese, <laughs> And he's the postman for Stonebrew. So yeah, I'm in love with a postman <laughs> that I don't even know. I've got friends and family who actually understand me. And a bit of a backstory about my family and my family circles. You've heard me talk about family loads on the good, the bad and the BPD. But what you don't know is I have three families, as I put it. You've got my dad's side, which is who I was talking about in episode five. You've got my mum and Dave and their side of the family. And then you've got my stepmom. And my dad was with my stepmom from the ages of me being seven to 14 Paige was three at the time, so obviously me and Paige have grown up together, hence why she is my sister. Doesn't matter whether we're blood-related or not, she is my sister. And when they split up, Freya never stopped being my stepmom, and I love her so much. She's just one of the best people in the world, and I will never, ever, ever let anybody badmouth her. Other than me, if she's getting on my nerves, and I'll be like, Gee, oh, you dickhead! <laughs> Or I normally go, ooh, or she'll do it back to me, which is quite funny if we're both having a stressful day. But yeah, I'm quite lucky. That's why it's so annoying having BPD, because I do have so many people who care about me. And it's just madness how brains work and they make you think something completely different in your head to what's actually happening in real life. But if somebody would have told me in 2015... I'd be sat here talking to the world, making a podcast about borderline personality disorder and how to manage it. I'd have laughed at you. If someone would have told me in 2015, I'd get at least three messages a day, either asking for advice or just to tell me how much my podcast, YouTube and Facebook help them. I wouldn't have believed you. And if somebody would have told me in 2015 that by the time 2022 comes around, I'd know how to manage my BPD. I wouldn't want to kill myself. I would have more good days than bad days. Like I say, if you'd have told me that in 2015, I'd have said you were taking biscuit and I'd have told you not to be cruel because that can't be my life. But here I am. I have been broken into so many pieces that it's taken me seven years to find them all and put them back together. But I tell you what, I am stronger than I've ever been, physically and mentally. Putting myself and my feelings first has been the best thing for me. Luckily, like I said, I was in a position that enabled me to take time for myself to learn and grow. And I understand that not everybody gets that. I was just very lucky. And... I really hope that you've enjoyed listening to my life story. I needed to give you a bit of backstory so you had a brief overview of how and why I think and act the way that I do. A lot of people have been shocked by this podcast. 
to me, it's not shocking anymore because I've lived it. It's my life and talking about it with the world, especially with episode six, really helped me to not feel ashamed and embarrassed about the stuff that's happened. And now you know me, like the back of your hand, I think next episode, this is the end of today's episode, but next episode, I think I'm going to go through some funny stories with you. I'm also going to go through the night that my drink got spiked and a little bit of summary at the end, Um, because I want to make it 10. It'd really, really annoy me if I've only got nine episodes to the season because I want to do 10 episodes a season so yeah next week we'll just go through some funny stories whether that be dating on nights out going to Turkey and not coming home for ages things like that but season two will be a how-to season so it's going to be topics like how to date somebody who lives with borderline personality disorder how to be friends with someone who lives with borderline personality disorder and how to end slash, honestly, how to end a relationship slash friendship with somebody who lives with borderline personality disorder, etc, etc, along them lines. And this season's just been me rabbiting on about my life story and my diagnosis, but like I say, I needed you to understand my thought process and why I think and act the way that I do You also need to know my tone of voice. (laughs) So, moving on to, like, season two, you will understand why I'm giving you answers and the answers that I'm giving you. It should give you a better understanding of how my brain works. And if you have any questions about managing BPD, any specific topics you'd like me to cover, whether it be... Alcohol and BPD, managing emotions, controlling anger, stuff like that. I want you guys to get more involved, if you want to, obviously. So head on over to The Good, The Bad and The BPD on Facebook and drop me a message. If you have dyslexia, struggle with spelling, send me a voice note. Just don't send me any weird shit like heavy breathing, (laughs) because I really won't appreciate that. I don't need weird stuff coming through on my Facebook. I mean, by all means, send me messages and tell me I'm beautiful. That will really boost my ego. But don't send me yourself heavy breathing. Because I know what you'll be doing, you dirty, dirty buggers. (laughs) But yes, that is it for today's episode. And the wind is absolutely battering my house. This storm's having a great lovely time. There's been wheelie bins and all sorts, chasing wheelie bins down the street. (laughs) Thank you for listening to The Good, The Bad and The BPD. My name's Tammy Mortland. Have a lovely, 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 lovely day.